business to relaunch your business or launch a new layer business in probate real estate. We're going to talk about that today, how to build a plan that's going to actually create business for you, income and more wealth. I'm Bill Gross, and this is Probate Weekly. You can find it at probateweekly.com. We do every Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern. We live stream onto YouTube and Facebook, and it's recorded there as well. And this is meant to be participative. So if you're on the call, there's a Zoom call you could register for. Feel free anytime to raise your hand, ask questions in the chat box. It's meant to be participative. I'm not selling anything, so you're not going to interrupt my presentation. And um, though, and if you're on watching on YouTube or Facebook, you put questions there. Live, I'll probably catch it. But if it's recorded, I'll probably catch it after the fact and respond to you as well. Um, love to have you put in the chat box where you're from, what you do if you're a realtor or investor, in your name, your phone number, email, how we reach you. And you know, try to keep it tight. What value do you create to the marketplace so that those of the rest of us here in the chat box can hopefully reach out and do some business with you? And I've done plenty of business off of this phone call and similar calls. So feel free. Don't be shy. The more you participate, the more money you make. Turn your camera on, ask questions, jump in. Let's do this together. And just a real quick reminder, I'm not selling any coaching, though I do have a coaching product on Probate Mastery. You could, by the hour, hire me, I guess. It's more kind of interesting than it is the coaching money. I don't do much of it. I don't sell any data. I recommend a lot of different companies. I'm a practitioner. I do this every day. Every day I'm on the phone with families, with other agents, with investors, with attorneys, uh, referral sources, grinding out, trying to list more property to sell it. That's primarily how I get paid. I have this call to both showcase my knowledge to my um, uh, audience, as well as I need the camaraderie of you to help me be successful, as well as to build a team. I have a national team of real estate agents. I've 35 currently looking to expand across the country. We just closed and I, I'm just about ready to get paid on my first listing through this new program in Detroit, Michigan. Kind of excited about that. So we're building out our, our national platform of uh, listings that we referred out through our probate business. Love to have you participate. So today's topic being the first Thursday in January, we do this every week, um, uh, I'm sorry, we do this call every week, is your business plan. Because a lot of us in the business are being attacked with you need to write a business plan. And the companies that have all day long, three day long business planning workshops. And while I do think it's a very important thing to have a business plan, spend time on it, and to think about what you do, there's a difference between working on your business plan and sitting in a program that's basically entertaining for two or three days. So what I'm gonna do is, uh, my goal on this call is in about a half an hour, give you the key factors you need to get your business plan started so you can start working on business and hopefully a process you can repeat through the year to build your plan. This is what I do for my business. This is not a, I'm selling you a workbook. I'm not selling you to come to my session. I'm gonna share with you what I do. Feel free to hold me to it. Let's do it together. If you're up for building your business this year or relaunching your business, making more money, building your wealth, say I or put yes in the chat box, make sure I'm in the right room. Who's up for making more money this year? A lot more money this year. Who just wants to survive and hang on like grim death with your fingernails uh, stuck in your desk? They can't drag you out of there. You're going to, you're going to, no matter how miserable your life is, you're in the business. Who's up for that one? Not me. Who wants to make a lot of money this year, help a lot of people, have a lot of fun doing it? Say I. That's what I'm up for. And so the business plan has to accomplish that goal. That's the bullseye. You've got to be crystal clear on what you're shooting for. What does that mean 
to you, not to me. I know what it means to me, right? Uh, the last few years, I've made over $350,000 of gross commission. I made about $50,000 of other income through my business. My goal is to make more this year by 25%. I'm not going to work any more hours. I'm 63. I'll be 64 next month. So I don't work more hours. I work a good, solid 40-hour work week. When I work, I work. When I don't work, I don't work. But what I want to do is leverage my time, leverage my experience, leverage my knowledge, and use that with my work to make more money in less time. That's what I like to help you, to, you guys to do. So let's talk about that. Thank you, Reginald Welch. I don't think we've met before in Riverside, California, in the IE. Welcome to the call. And Amber Watkins in Hotlanta. Welcome to the call. And Jim Clark, again, we've met before a few times in the state of Washington. Very nice. Okay. So shout out to you guys. Thanks for participating. Hey, if you guys don't want referrals, uh, don't put your name and phone number in the chat box for sure, because one way to avoid business is don't let anybody know that you're looking for more business. Okay, so um, wow, look look at this. I got all kinds of activity here on the uh, LinkedIn and YouTube. Okay, good. So let's get started. So I want to start for those of you who follow me this week. Um, this might be a bit of a repeat. There's three principles that my coach, Uncle G, who knows who Uncle G is. If you know who Uncle G is, put it in the chat box and say it out loud. Who's who's your Uncle G? Anybody? Is it just me that knows that one? Brad Cardone, Mark Pedroza gets the prize. Uncle G 10X. And I give you a long story about how I met with him. But literally, I called him when he was an expired listing in Hollywood, California. He talks about that listing in his book. And I called him on that and met him on the phone and talked to him a bit. And that's what turned me on to his program. But he, I would say, is my motivational business coach that I tap into his books, his videos, his programs. Was in Florida last year. Hope to go there again this year. In this market, where I think the overall economy will be in a recession, I don't think housing prices are going to crash. I think that's a lot of drama and overstated. But I do believe it will continue that we'll have 30% less sales and we'll have 30% less real estate agents as a result a year from now. It's already started. Dues are, are due for uh, renewal and already uh, California Association of Realtors has noted a big drop off. I think that's and any smart companies getting prepared for that. But what I'll tell you is there'd be 30% less sales, 30% less agents. What's that mean for those of us still in the business? If there's 30% less sales, but 30% less competition, how's that going to feel for me, for example? Same. And if I work, I'll make money. If I don't work, I won't make money. And that's true for all of you. That's the, the truth. Like that or not, that's the way that it is. So Uncle G, facing with it, I'm sorry about the dog in the background. There's my wife's dog. I'd like to kill it. Not that I hate dogs. It just drives me crazy. I'm going to ignore it, though. I'm going to move my mindset to ignoring it. Uncle G gave us three things to think about for 2023 as you build your plan. Three key principles to overview. Number one, it's going to require discipline. This is going to be a market where those of us who have a disciplined approach to business will succeed. And those who don't are going to fall by the wayside. For the last two or three years, anybody can sell property. Literally, a monkey holding a sign, sell your house, standing on Wilshire Boulevard in LA, could have sold the house, true or false. 
true. But now you're going to have to be on your game because sellers are going to be more precious with their equity. There'll be less equity. There'll be less of it. So they're going to want to hold on to it. They're going to want you to work harder to get it. Your share of it's going to be more dear to them. And you're going to be on your game and better to earn your fee. And the way that looks to a, to a customer is you are disciplined. You have your marketing, you have your systems, you have your procedures, your documents look right. You have to be on everything, on time, ready to go at the right time. Amazes me as a list, as a buyer's agent on a transaction I have. Hold on one second. Okay. Hopefully that's the. <laughs> I'm gonna, if I kill the dog, are you guys gonna call uh, uh, whatever it is, uh, pet control on me? Okay, where was I? Um, you gotta be on your game more than ever. I, as a buyer's agent, I have a buyer who's buying a property and literally, and we're supposed to close escrow next week. She's, she's considering extension till the following week. The loan officer turned the loan in today. I kept asking her, what's going on with the loan if you need a loan? And she said, well, I turned all paperwork in you know, a while ago. And I got this email today from the loan officer. I called him, left a message, emailed him. And I got an email back from him. He's on some seminar. He'll call me back in an hour. And I get an email from their company's fancy automated system with a stupid video. Oh, we're PRMG Mortgage and we have your loan in process. And if you have questions, call me or email me. I did call email you. And all I got was a stupid video. And this loan officer basically is saying, yeah, well, you know, we, we haven't looked at her tax returns yet, but she's really good. She got a lot of money. And I'm saying she's supposed to waive contingencies today. You haven't worth the appraisal yet. You could get away with that years ago as a lender because you had so many refis coming in, their pipeline was full. That's not true today anymore. And so what I want to tell you guys is you got to play the game more disciplined. You got to learn the rules of the business and be on your game more and you get weeded out. Number two, follow the new rules of the business, not the old rules. There are going to be a never ending supply of coaches and uh, influencers, uh, geniuses. They're going to tell you how to do business like they did last year and the year before. Why? Because what they did last year and the year before is no longer working. So they're going to go into coaching and sell you what they used to do. Are you dumb enough to buy that? I'm not selling anything. I literally called attorneys today. I literally called families today. I literally tried to put deals together today. So I'm sharing with you, this is what I'm doing right now. Now, I will say my market's different. I'm in LA, totally different than suburban North Carolina. I'm very aware, I don't know everything about my business. But I know a lot about my market, but you need to know the rules of the business today. What's working today, not what was working two years ago. I see companies are probate, basically just encouraging everybody to buy the data, mail the postcards, send at least six. And I say, well, when you add that up, that's thousands of dollars in six months to a year before you get your payoff. How many can afford to do that? Those are old rules. Most people can afford that today. Most of you need to find something in the next 90 days. True or true, right? So know the new rules that work today. What's working today, what you have to do today. And number three is don't do what doesn't work. Meaning, 
We as real estate agents and investors get sucked into all kinds of programs and meetings and even my own company. God bless them. They want to do well. But, but if I did everything everybody asked me to do, I would do nothing all day. You've got to do, you've got to take care of business. Like for me, eight to 12 is money time. I have got to generate business every day, eight to 12. If I take an hour off, I've got to put an extra hour on the afternoon because I have to do what? What do I have to do every day from eight to 12? Anybody? Put in the chat box or say it out loud. Prospect, prospect. I have to prospect. I got to get some business. Prospecting is looking for business. Got to hustle. Got to hustle. Put the hustle muscle on. And sometimes as agents will say, well, I prospected for four hours. Well, if you get any business, because you're doing what used to work, not what's working now, or you're not tracking what you're doing to know that it's working. I don't want to prospect. I want to develop business. And to me, what that means is if I'm going to prospect, it's going to be in a way that even if I don't get a deal, it sets me up for a deal in the future. That's why building relationships works, because if I don't get a deal from you now, you get another lead six months from now, I got a shot at that deal. Whereas if I just cold call day long, strangers aren't going to know to call me because I haven't called them yet. That's why cold calling is not going to be as effective going forward as building relationships. So, so don't do what doesn't work anymore. Trim the fat, financially trim the fat, time-wise trim the fat. No, those are the principles. When we do a business I a plan question really quick go right ahead about like the whole cold calling thing so would you say like cold calling is kind of becoming like an older thing like a thing of the past i guess or like do you think it's still effective in today's world of real estate what i would say is everything you do works to some degree you've got to measure it and you've got to, i'm going to get into that in the business planning and you got to know your results right so when people say cold calling when i really break them down Right. I mean, I, I again, I'm not a, I don't coach people for a living. I do some coaching for people who want me to want to pay for it. Great. I'm glad to do it. I know I'm really good at it because I'm going to either break you down and get to the point or you're going to be realize you're not going to make it and move on. I'm fine either way. Right. But when you cold call and I did, we talked about this a couple of sessions ago. You've got to track your activity, whatever you do. We're going to talk about it in a little bit. You've got to track your activities per hour because you're investing your time or your money or both. When you cold call, either you're buying data, which costs money, maybe you're paying for a dollar, which costs money, and you're investing your time, which is your life. And you got to track how many hours does it take for you to get a contract? Right. And so we're gonna talk about what that process looks like. So I'm not against cold calling. I'll, I will say, I've been in this business 36 years. I've accumulated a database of 7,000 people that know me. I've kept it together. I email out to them regularly. I work on social media to leverage that database. If you're newer, you don't have that. You have to do what I used to do, which is I used to cold call, but you got to do it effectively. Right. Okay. So, so I'm gonna get to that in just one second. Okay. But great question, Manuel. Thank you. Um, okay. Can I share how I secured my last three listings? Um, Last three listings was referral from a real estate agent from this call was COI attorney. Here's a good one. I didn't know he did his probate, but he was my COI. And I, um, I market to everybody's COI that I do probate. I invite him all to probate weekly. And he's an attorney. We talked about it. 
He actually hired me to be an expert witness in a case about a year ago. And then I got a listing and then this is a repeat for that same customer. So that was the second one. And the third last listing was 108 Main Street. Oh, uh, that was that one, 108 Main Street. And what's the other one? Oh, um, going to court. So I used to go to court every Wednesday after probate court. I was at probate court every day, Monday through Friday. But on Wednesdays, I would go from the second floor to the first floor where they had sheriff sales. And I met attorneys there. And I met an attorney. Everybody I meet goes to my database. Everybody I meet gets my emails. I call everybody every 90 days. And one of those attorneys stuck. And I sold the house for him and his client a year ago. And then the client another property and I listed that. So uh, court. But here's what I want to say, Chris. That's a great question. How come I got my three listings? What I want is a COI, center of influence, meaning he's an attorney who is really a social friend. Good question, Deborah. Sorry about that. I talk quickly and I use a lot of jargon. Feel free to jump in and ask questions. He was an attorney, but he really, I've known him for 25 years as a personal friend who happened to be an attorney. And guess what? I found out two years ago, he does probate. And he's referred me to humongous cases since then. So the key there, I want to say for all of you is I'll get to my business plan steps is I want one plus one to equal three. Well, how do you do that, Bill? One plus one is two. No, because if the one and the one work together, like a man and a woman create a baby, you got three, right? My one and one is like a family, create three or four or five. So I want my COI marketing and my probate marketing to work together to generate more probate and more COI business. And so I get asked the question, where'd the listing come from? It's very common for me to say, well, it's hard to say. On one hand, it's a center of influence. On the other hand, it's probate, because it's really both. Do you follow me on that? Okay. That's how I got my last three listings, and that's what COI opportunity is. Okay, so let's talk about your business plan. I get, and I, I, you guys are welcome to reach out to me, and, and I'm glad to do a coaching call with you for free, a 15 minute, kind of where are you, how I can help you. And I get a phone call, I get this phone call all the time. Hey, Bill, I'm an experienced agent. I used to do a lot of business. My business tailed off last year as I, their story, we all have a story, their family this, their mom that, their dad this. And part of the story they don't want to tell me is also they made enough money two years ago to stop working so hard, they stopped being hungry, they stopped being disciplined because they'd have to be. And as a result, now they have no business. How do I get started in probate? Because it sounds easy. That's kind of underneath the story. And so what, what I tell them is, look, I don't know the easy one. All I know is when I relaunched my business, I wrote a plan. I worked both plan every single day like I had to, because I had to. And I worked hard at it, and it was hard. And it was about six months before I got my first check. And it was, and after a year after working at full steam and having a nice big pipeline, COVID hit, and I had 20 transactions cancel because the courts were closing down. Pretty depressing. And I rebuild the whole thing all over again. So I don't know the easy way. I get asked a lot that question. And the answer I got from a lady uh, a couple of days ago, she said, well, can I just pay for something and kind of shotgun it and get a bunch of listings that way? And I said, well, if it was that easy, I would. But it's not. It's not that. And it, if it was two years ago, it's not today. So that's not what you're looking for today. You're looking for a process, procedures, systems that will build a business for you. Over time, your business will create its own business and that will generate some passive or residual or repeating income for you to build a business. 
But to get started, you got to put in the time and the effort and the energy. So there is an easy way. Versus today, I had a coaching call with somebody who, by the way, paid me. Again, I don't like carry the way, but I do know when people pay, they pay attention. And we talked about his database and what he had to do. And he made some commitments. We talked about his social media and what he had to do. And he made some commitments. And we follow, we're going to follow up in two weeks. And he's going to do the work because he paid for it. Because that's the kind of guy he is. And I don't care if you pay or not. Personally, that money just doesn't even register in my bank account. But I do know if he pays, he'll pay attention. So here's what you need to do. You need to have it clearly in mind what your goal is. So red hot that you can taste it. So intense that you get up in the morning and go to work. Now, I'll share with you two examples of that that are true for me. About 10 years ago, um, I kind of got spit out of business, made some mistakes, and found myself without any real money saved. Well, it must have more than 10 years ago, 26. Yeah, about, yeah, yeah, about 10 years ago. I had a daughter who's getting ready to go to college, four years of private school. We only have one child, one to pay for a college. Expecting to pay for a wedding. Now, I'm, I'm a religious Jew, and it's common for our kids to get married young, and we have big weddings. So that was a cost a lot of money, $50,000 maybe. Private school, about $25,000 a year at that time. It's probably more now. And actually, I got a little cheap. Uh, she went to a state school in New York. So I added up four years of college. It's $100,000, $50,000 for the, for the uh, wedding, $150,000. After taxes, I have to make two fifty. dollars on top of my lifestyle, I had to make an extra $250,000 in five years after taxes. I mean, after taxes, then at the 150. I'm like, well, geez, I'm barely making it as it is. But I envisioned in my mind, I had a picture of me walking down the aisle, the classic father with the bride walking down the aisle, passing her off to the husband. At that moment, being able to say to myself, I'm here today. I paid for this. I paid for college and I owe zero. That was my vision. That I could literally today close my eyes and taste it. And I don't know how to describe what it tastes like, but I mean, it's that real where I see the picture and I feel it in my tongue. Now, I, I envisioned that over and over and over again. It was that important to me. I had the courage to dream that which gave me the energy to go after it every day. So my challenge to you is you need to think of a vision for your life that's so intense. When people say, you know, I'm just not motivated. It just means you're not in touch with why you want to live your life or you're willing to settle for the crumbs. And no judgment, that's all it means. And, and if, if crumbs are good for you, I'm happy for you. I'm not here to judge you. But I am here to tell you if you want more than the crumbs and you want to go for something bigger than that, and by the way, my daughter not only got married, but we have our first grandson. I saw him last night. I see him again today, hopefully. It can be real if you're willing to pay the price, if you're willing to put yourself on the line. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? I wanted it bad. I went bad enough every day where I did whatever it took every single day not to be stopped. Where if something didn't work, what's not working, what I need to change. I had a second uh, vision I'm working on right now. My vision now is that I'm sitting on a luxury cruise with my wife. My family today is my daughter and son-in-law and grandson and a couple other grandkids we even have yet. And I think about that every single day to drive the next level. I could quit today. I have enough money 
and income. I could live a life. I could live a life I'm at now minus the luxury cruise once a year. But I went to luxury cruise once a year. And I don't want to lower my lifestyle. I want to up my lifestyle. Now, I'm not saying that's your vision. I'm not one of those influencers saying, hey, life is all about my car and my life. I'm saying, what is your life stream? Don't cheat yourself. Have the courage to tell yourself what that is. Now, in order to achieve that dream, I had to break it down. So to be there five years from now, what do I have to do this year? To do that this year, what do I have to do in the next 90 days? How much revenue do I need in the next 90 days to be on par with that? So what I can tell you today is for me, first quarter 2023, I need $125,000 gross revenue. Now I'm not paying for Zillow leads. I don't have buyer's agents taking 50% of my commission. That's my commissions, my revenue on my business. And, and maybe I'll net 85, 90% of that net, net, net before taxes. And that drives me, since I know that number, and I look at my pipeline every day, I know what I have and what I don't have, drives me to do what I have to do. So I'm going to urge you to think of your plan, back it down to a 90-day program. What do you have to do this 90 days? For some of you who are brand new, 90 days could be zero revenue, but end up with three listings and have one or two or three good referral sources, maybe attorneys, maybe uh, adult caregivers or whatever it is giving you business. Whatever your plan is to achieve your goals. But it's worth your time to sit and figure that out. And you need to spend the time to figure that out yourself. And I'd urge you to put in your calendar the time to think about it. If it's not clear, for me, it's razor code. I don't need to go to another business planning session. I know exactly what I want. I know exactly what I need to be this quarter. And I know exactly how far behind I am right now. In essence, I have the map. I know where I am on the map and I know where I need to go. I can check my gas gauge and figure out if I have enough gas to get there or not. That's what you need to have in your business. So that's what I call first is a clear vision and path of where you want to go. Now, you can't control the results. You can only control your activities and then adjust them to get to the results. What do I mean by that? So I used to cold call every day and my goal was 40 contacts a day to set two appointments a day to go on one appointment a day, five days a week. And I knew if I went on one appointment a day, five days a week was 20 appointments. At the end of the month, I'd write three contracts. And I knew those numbers all worked out. Today, my number's all different. Today, my metric is interviews with referral sources. A little different, but my numbers are hitting my numbers. I want to use the ones that are more applicable to you guys. But here's the thing. You have to track your activities per day, per week, per month to make sure you're on track to where you want to go. So whatever it is you're doing to generate business, and all you can do is call, you can email, you can network and meet people, or you can set appointments. You have to do one of those four things and count them and make sure you're hitting your number. And if your number doesn't lead to enough contracts, you need more to get to the right number. I'll never forget, I was hired to do recruiting for a, a real estate company and the owner basically misled me and said, well, if you make, uh, I think it was 10 or 15 contacts a day, I would achieve my goals for recruiting. Well, it turned out when I, after I was there about 90 days, I did the numbers, I realized 
No, I need to get 40 contacts a day. Knowing I needed 40 contacts to achieve my goal, I just asked the question, what do I have to do to go from 15 to 40 contacts? Because that's what I had to average. So once you know your numbers, you can adjust them. When I went to court every day, my goal was to meet one and a half people per day because I knew that number worked out to achieve my goals for my transactions. What's your metric? What's your number? Right? It's nice to have followers on Facebook. It's nice to have subscribers. It's nice to have views and email opens. But I can't track those into contracts. Maybe you can. But I do know appointments, one-on-ones, will track to contracts. In my business, that's I say contract, a listing contract. What's yours? You have to know those numbers. If you don't know them, you start counting them, and then you'll find out. So, for example, this quarter, you'll start counting. You'll find out you set you know, 10 appointments, you only go on five, and you have zero contracts. You know you need to set more. Or you get one. You need to set more. You need to follow up with the ones you didn't get. There's a lot of things you need to do. But my point is you have to have your numbers and dial them in to be able to get to where you need to go. You need to know your numbers. So you have to have your goal in mind. You have to have your numbers of your activity. You need to pick your activity. It could be calling, mailing, networking, door knocking, whatever it is that you're going to do is your activity. And you have to track that per hour. How many, whatever you're doing per hour, how many contacts on the phone per hour, how many mailers you send out per month. And then you track from those two contracts. You have to count the numbers. It doesn't count unless you're counting it. Doesn't count the score, doesn't go on the scoreboard unless you keep a score. Okay, questions so far? Is this helpful? Are we on track? Is this too esoteric? Old school, yeah, this it's is old good, thank you. Good, well, you can say this is old school. I think, I think these are what I would call good fundamentals. Good fundamentals always win. Always go back to fundamentals. When you have a problem in sports, they always say, go back to fundamentals. You know, when I was younger, I was playing basketball. There's good fundamentals of shooting. When you're missing shots, go back to fundamentals. Uh, these days, I go shooting, target shooting. When I'm off, go back to the fundamentals. In real estate, I'm telling you, go back to fundamentals. It's a contact sport. How many people you talk to every single day? Hey, Josephine. Wow, long time to talk to you. Okay, so we said you have to have your goal clear, you have to have your activity clear and countable. And number three, who's your target? Who is it you're gonna get your business from? Now in probate, your target could be attorneys, it could be families, maybe the administrator, executor, heirs who are not the administrators, investors and wholesalers, referral partners, any of those can be your target. You can make a great living on any of those. But make sure you're targeting those people. Your target could be real estate agents, right? I get a lot of referrals from real estate agents. But you have to have a clear target in mind. Who are the people you're looking to talk to every day on the phone? And then how many of them do you talk to? So you have your target, you have your activity, and then you have your results. You have to track those every day. Every single week, I have a metrics report of a virtual assistant who creates it. I don't keep it myself because I might cheat. And then once a week, we review my metrics. How many contacts, how many appointments, how many one-on-one -on -one videos, 
it's never enough. I'm always, I'm always pissed off when I do it. It's never fun. It's just, I might close a bunch of business. My metrics are off or my metrics are good. My closings are off because I always want more because you're always capable of doing a lot more. So let me give an example. The most common example in probate real estate is your target is petitioners. Your activity is calling. Therefore, you would track how many contacts you make per hour, how many appointments you set, and how many contracts you write. So if you buy the data from some data provider with phone numbers, and you block out time, and this is the part that people miss out on. You've got to block out time and diligently call those people. And, and if you have 100 leads, you dial through all of them. It might take you an hour to dial and talk to eight. You call in the afternoon, maybe the same, the, the remaining 92, you talk to six or four of them, but you track hours spent and the activity results, how many you actually talk to. When we phone call, we count our contacts. We don't count dials. You know, I actually like that view. I like the whole thing, like the three fundamentals where you're saying it's basically activity, um, results, and what was the third one? Your target. And your target. So I, I don't know. I just, I like that whole three fundamental part right there. Yeah. Anything marketing has to do, there's a target. There's something you do to the target. And then there's results. There's a, it's kind of like shooting, you know, uh, target shooting. Target. You make sure you're in your line, not somebody else's line. And the activity of shooting, whatever you're doing, or bow and arrow, or whatever you're doing. And the results, how many you hit, how many you miss. That's how marketing is. Now, what I will say then, if you go back to the top, though, when you design your marketing, you want one plus one to equal three. Because if all you do is cold call, it's a tough way to make a living. And what every, none of you like this, none of you want to hear this, I don't really care. I'd rather tell you the truth and have you hate me than lie to you and have you starve. So just forgive me for, for caring about you more than you care for yourself if you don't like this. Every marketing that's successful in the history of the world requires you to work with people who already know, like, and trust you as the fundamental. Your goal is to create more people who know, like, and trust you who then choose to do business with you. So you've got to start with the people that you already know. So if you want to start in probate real estate, like I did, and let's say your tactic is you're going to phone call. You can call every new petition you want, but you need to do something to stay in touch with them, email, social media. You need to do the same with all the other people that already know, like, and trust you. Because there's more probate business. If you're a real estate agent, you've been in the business two years or more, you've closed three deals or more, there's more probate business in your COI, your center of influence, than there is cold calling for you in your first year. Now you can skip that if you don't want to get paid, but most of you can't afford not to get paid. I'll tell you a quick story. I've told this many times, but it's appropriate on business planning. I took Chad Corbett's training. Now, when I did it four years ago, the first time he was with all the leads, he's since left them and joined his own, created his own called probate mastery, basically the same content. And as a result of that, I knew to call everybody I know and tell them, Hey, I just want, you know, want to touch base. I'm doing probate real estate. If I can help anyway, let me know. I started the A's. I only got to the D's because I got to D one of my good friends who was an attorney, not a probate attorney. Um, 
more of a civil litigator attorney, said, well, you know, I have a client who has a problem with a title on a property. And I've told the story numerous times. At the, at the risk of, of boring you, if you've heard it before, try to look, try to remember it this time and put it to action. He said, I have this client, can you help her? I said, sure, because my job is to solve other people's problems. I called this woman on the phone, sweet old, older lady. She was a widow, a widow who had been married over 50 years. Her husband took care of the rental property. She started asking about the title and the fence and the line. And she said to me, can you come take a look at it? I said, sure, why not? And I drove to her house in East LA, which is about a 45 minute drive from me. Normally, as a Mike Ferry trained listing agent, I would never have gone to the house unless it was a listing presentation. But as a probate agent, my job is to help people. I went there, meet this nice older woman, widowed, 50 years marriage, knows nothing about the property, walks around the house. We walk around about 45 minutes. At the end of it, she turns to me and just says, you know, I don't know about this thing with the fence. Can you just sell it for me? Now, the, anybody on the call, what would you, what's the right answer to that question? Deborah says, yes. Yeah, that was my listing presentation. Let's practice my first probate listing presentation. Yes. Because she knew me, liked me, trusted me enough. She was referred by somebody that she knew and trusted and had a problem, and I'm there to offer to sell it, to, to solve the problem. So what I want to say to you is, my first probate was because of a, a friend of mine who had nothing to do with probate. Then, same lady, when I closed escrow, about 45 days later, I delivered the check to her house. She started crying. It was about $500,000 proceeds check. Again, she's widowed. She never, her husband always taking care of our finances. And she said to me, I've always wanted to move to Arizona to be with my sister. Can you help me sell this, my residence? So real quick, what's the right script? And when somebody asks you that, yes, that was my second listening presentation or third or fourth. I'll tell you another quick story. In that time period, I was going to court every day, prospecting, lead generating. One day I'm standing in the main hallway, I bump into a young woman who I'd met socially. My wife and I had been to dinner or lunch with her mother and her when she was a teenager. And we'd been to dinner socially as well with her now that she was a young adult. And about a month or two before, I saw her in court. She said, what are you doing here? And I told her what I did. He said, well, that's really funny. I'm involved with a probate case. And she had a bunch of properties to sell. Could I help her? What's the right answer there? The truth is, my first couple of probates, I never did a presentation. I really didn't even do one now, to be honest. I mean, maybe I send out the e-signature and call them up and say, do you have any questions? Because when you're the probate expert to that person, they already know, like, and trust you, right? So what I want to say to you is if you can combine your center of influence with your probate business, one plus one is three. Do you see how that works? Once you start doing deals, then you meet other attorneys. They see you doing business. They assume you're not an idiot. That's how you get started. So for all realtors who want to launch their business, relaunch their business or add probate. You have got to start with people who already know, like, and trust you and make sure they know you're doing probate real estate. Post content on social media, do some videos on uh, avoiding probate, living trusts, estate planning, interview attorneys, interview ve other vendors. 
So and make sure your cir- would be basically just a circle of people that you already know and trust. Everybody that you know, like, and trust, and they know, like, and trust you. Okay. Great question. So that cousin that you hate is not in your COI. <laughs> All right. That makes sense. Thank you. But, but your dentist should be. And when you go to your dental office, the, the schedule up front, who talks to everybody should be. And whoever does your hair and ladies, your nails, women, you guys have about eight or 10 people on your team, that whole beauty team group you guys have, they should all be in your center of influence. And they should begin the same marketing that your probate attorney is going to get, because then they're going to see a high level of marketing that distinguishes you. So when they just hear the word probate, they're going to call you. See, who besides me has had a real estate, has had a transaction where the family thought, well, I can just call any realtor. The reason why is because they didn't see you as an expert. If they'd seen you talking about probate all the time, and not only, I, I send an email every week about the real estate market to all my database as well. I don't just talk about probate. I do, I could put value out, I think that they'll appreciate but I make sure I market to my COI, my center of influence all the time, because they already know, like, and trust me. I'll tell you another story on the subject. One day I'm at the local market. Um, I don't normally go to the market, but my wife was sick. And so I went to the market and I see a, a guy who's a real estate agent. He's one of those real estate agents that like, he only goes to events with his free food and doesn't ever really do any business. You guys all know somebody like that, right? So he walks up to me. He walks up to me and says, "Hey, Bill, uh, can, I, can I say something to you real quick?" I said, "Yeah." He said, "Well, I hope I'm. It's not insensitive." I said, "No. Tell me where you went." He said, "You send out too many emails." I said, "No, no. You don't understand. I send out too many emails for you because you're not my target. You're never going to do business with me, so you don't see any value in them. But based on results, my emails are doing pretty damn good." My opening rate is way above industry average and I'm getting a bunch of business. So you're missing the point of it. If you want to unsubscribe or when we unsubscribe you, fine. Don't let that person talk you out of serving your family, your community. Create value for people and know that you're helping them. Um, okay, in San Francisco Bureau alone, 100 new probate filings. Could be exaggerating based on five counties. So Mark, in LA County, we, we have about 400, 500 a month, just in LA County. Now, I believe that's because LA County is poor, has way more poor people than the other Northern counties combined. I think we had the largest poverty count of any county in America today. We still have the largest homeless population of any, of any county. How many hours do I spend a day, including appointments? So Deborah asked a great question. I work eight hours a day. I start at eight. Finish at six, take an hour in the middle for exercise. I went and walked uh, for three miles today. So I work eight hours a day. Tonight, I'm gonna leave this and go to a event I host. So one day, uh, I'd say three days a month, I host after hours events from five to maybe seven. Uh, and I'll take off other time to make up for it. I basically limit myself to 40 hours a week. Now I'm 63, so I have to be a little careful with my energy and, and focus, and I also have family and other things going on in my life. So I, I'm, I work 40 hours a week and I kind of work, but basically eight to six on a daily basis uh, with an hour break in the middle. 
And then Friday, to be, on, to be a little more technical, I take off Friday afternoon and I work half a day on Sunday. Okay, um, other questions? You feel like you're getting a motivation talk. Okay, hope it's motivating. Look, um, I created this call because I need other agents on this call. So we're all part of, we're all colleagues working together, pulling each other along. Um, I, I thrive and work better in a team environment. Uh, and that's why I do this. So I'm all about helping you if I can. Um, and online, let's see, Facebook. I don't see any questions. I see some some feedback. feedback. I good. Okay, I think I'm up to date on all of the social comments. Okay, so questions. I did a lot of talking. Uh, we got a few minutes left. Just real quick before I open for questions, let me just share a couple things. If you're interested in more, if you're in the LA area, right after this call, I'm hosting Brew Real Estate. It's at the All Season Brewing Company in the Mid-Wilshire area, Miracle Mart area. It's on La Brea, just south of Wilshire Boulevard. And if you show up and you're a real estate agent and you tell me you're on this call, I'll buy you a beer. They have great tacos and Mexican food, real inexpensive, but I'll buy your free beer if you show up. So that's every first Thursday of the month, which is tonight. And it's called for 5.30 to 7 o'clock. Love to have you join. Also, if you're a real estate agent tomorrow in Diamond Bar, our Agents Helping Agents program, free at the Diamond Bar Holiday Inn, uh, 9 a.m. to 12. And the content there is building your business. We bring in speakers. This month's speaker is top agent in the area, uh, Luis Sequeria. And he's gonna talk about skill building and strategies for the business right now. It's not a recruiting event. We don't sell any coaching. It's just us getting together. This is part of my team in the Inland Empire. We get together and help each other uh, I will say out of the 40 agents, about 25 or 30 will be my team members, about 15 will be guests. Love to have you if you're interested in coming as a guest to build your real estate business if you're in the LA area. Um, bar Deborah asked the bar tab. Yeah, in my area, on the uh, event tonight, I pay for the beer. So come and I, uh, Deborah, I'd love to buy a free beer. Um, and I'm, are they meet up or what? I use Eventbrite so, to register uh, for the events, just uh, to market a little bit. Good questions. Okay, who's got a question? Raise your hand, put in the chat box, unmute yourself. Love to help answer any questions. I've done a lot talking tonight. I try to make this as interactive as I can. Usually we have guests, but um, I thought this was a topic that's important that I want you to get clear on what your plan is. You could put a plan together in 15 minutes. If you want to put it together, call me. I'd be glad to walk you through some of the pieces and help you sharpen up a little bit. Do I put on events for attorneys? That's a great question, Dave. So the answer is no, I've done it. The challenge with attorneys is, um, for me, I want to be seen as a colleague to them, not as a parasitic relationship. Most people have negative feelings about uh, real estate agents, particularly attorneys. Attorneys think, I think, generally, attorneys think they're better than most other professions. So I don't want to be a realtor chasing an attorney. I want to be a colleague. So for example, one great way to meet them is going to bar association events but I would only go if I'm the only real estate agent there. When there's more than one or other sponsoring, I don't want to go because I don't need one of several realtors. I am the only me. And I don't mean to sound arrogant. And there are other agents who do other things that I don't do as well as I do. But there is no agent in LA who does what I do as well as I do. And I don't want to be confused for one of them. So to answer your question, I don't put any events. I don't go to attorney's events. For example, LA Bar had a had a networking event last week, thought about it, 
But by the time I add the hour there, hour back, two hours there, four hours, I don't, I calculate it that way. In four hours, what could I do in that time otherwise to generate business? I feel like I generate more business doing other things. For example, I can do a couple interviews with attorneys, post them online, and get multiple hours of view time in the next 30 days. So I see that as being more valuable for my business. That said, uh, and it depends on what market area you're in. I'm in LA, we have a lot of attorneys. We have probably more attorneys per square foot than any place else. In other mm -hmm. markets where there's less attorneys, uh, maybe suburban areas, maybe uh, outside of where the bar meets, would be great to do that. Um, Mark says, join your local Chamber of Commerce. I think Chamber of Commerce, again, is great. You just have to out calculate your results per hour. Uh, and also has to fit your lifestyle. So for me, for example, um, there are lunch events. Well, I keep kosher, so I can't eat lunch at those. So that I don't save lunch time. I'm spending money for food I'm not eating. I have to drive there, park, and drive back for the hour or two. So when I calculate all that per hour spent, I try to get a bigger return on my time invested than I can get at a chamber mixer. That said, I used to go to them. And I think the right chamber in the right area is great. They're not all great. The right provisors group in the right area is great. They're just not all great. So I would say look at look at those and be opportunistic. But I know real estate agents who've gone to these events and have one relationship that's changed their career. I think that's great. Mm -hmm. But just make sure you get that one relationship. And, and Dave, remind me, where do you do business? You're in Washington State? No, no, no. I'm in uh, Newport Beach. I My business grew in Southeast LA County, family business. I've been in Newport Beach for also lived here for 20 years and start to expand my business here my probate business right now for example i'm getting only orange county probate filings okay. uh, my reo business took me all over three counties and then my basis when i first started it was funny because when you're talking about the networking and stuff when i first started in 86 and got licensed it was southeast huntington park in particular and i was in kiwanis and that opened up like i was the only good broker and there was about 10 attorneys Beautiful. And, you know, they've all since died off, but I mean, that was a great way to start the business. Yeah. They're not, not all corners are that way. That corner no, was. I wouldn't join. I wouldn't join now because now they're over, oversaturated. Um, and again, it's the time factor to do it. And there's too many brokers in them. Let me ask you another question, Bill, as this pertains to the CRM and the marketing and the data right now, all my leads are still together in my data suppliers, you know, uh, CRM program. I'm pulling them out. Would you suggest that I segregate the attorneys as one database and then the actual client, the PR administrator, et cetera, and then market to each of those individually as well as just to one? Does that make sense to that question? Yeah, I, 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 I'm I, not sure which database you're gonna be using. Uh, follow but up I'd boss. Say, okay. Follow up boss. So I know follow boss a little bit. I've, I've, I'm familiar with it. I would keep it in one database Right. In follow-up box, you can tag attorneys, attorneys, exactly. petitioners, petitioners. I would tag them all appropriately because there's certain marketing you'd want to segment. There's other marketing you'd want to send both to. And then I would also have a tag for what I do is I have a tag, for example, for attorneys. I have another tag for COI, which in my mind means I've met them, know, like, and trust them. They know, like, and trust me. So those attorneys, I market differently than those that I haven't met and maybe are just on a case, or I called them on one of the listings, I might market them some things, but not other things. 
So the more segmenting of your, your database, the more you can attack them appropriately. Got it. I keep in one database, um, but I would send them each an appropriate level. And some people are going to cross over and hit a couple. So for example, realtors, I have realtors and I have COI and I have some realtors who are in my COI. My, my standard for realtor and COI is higher because obviously the rest are just competition. Got it. Perfect. Thank you. Sure. You must have a real a, a million. I mean, Dave, I've, I've known of you when you did REO. You must have a million realtors in your database. There's a lot. There's a make lot. Sure, make sure you, you know, as appropriate, consider how do you how do you leverage all that experience of your life in your probate business? Yeah. Because just to throw it away, especially in your case, would be unfortunate. Yeah. Well, I'm doing that. And then the other thing I've done, I moved into a large, my company's corporate owned. So there's a lot of us. So now I am getting the reputation within the company as the probate expert. And so that's been a great source. Now I'm on like four deals in the last year. Fantastic. From agents who are not comfortable doing probate, yes. who find it easier to come to me and get 25% or 30% or 35%. That's fantastic. Whatever the case may be. So this been good. Appropriate, so you should be marketing to all of them. And those that you're at Cola Banker, right? Correct. So all those cold bank, every cold banker agent should know who you are. And those who aren't cold banker should come learn who you are, right? Yeah. <laughs> One way or the other. Good for you. Good job. Um, okay. I got another question um, from Deborah. Do I have a broker's license? Yes, I'm a broker associate. I've been an independent broker, but I um, uh, found as a listing agent that I need the resources of a large national company behind me. So I associate with eXp Realty. Uh, by doing my broker's license. Do I recommend getting it? You know, I, I'm not very emotional. I'm not one that's very prideful, but I do say there's certain sorts of pride when people ask me, me because I'm also older, that I do have it. Um, it was a fair amount of work, and I don't know that I got any more money because of it, but I'm glad I did it personally. So do I recommend getting it? Depends on who you are. Um, have a clear reason why you want to do it. I wouldn't 90% of the time, the reason people get a broker's license is they want to leave a brokerage and open their own. That I would not do. That I recommend against. I just think, especially now, the, the margins, that for us agents, the margins that we have to pay companies have shrunk so much that I think we get so much more value from the companies that makes no sense for me to be independent. I actually get paid more from my company than I pay them every year. It makes no sense for me to be independent. So I would say, don't do it to be an independent agent, but I would say getting a broker's license could be a source of pride. And if it is, then I would say do it. Um, how do I begin my probate business? Good question. So that's from Kimberly. Kimberly, we is that CT Connecticut? Have we met before, Kimberly? I think it's a new name, I think. So she asked, how do I begin my probate business? So I began it. Um, I had to relaunch my business. I had been in coaching and recruiting and I've been very successful at it both companies setting you know I, I won the I was a top recruiter social 21 by numbers for uh, I was there for four and a half years though all my recruiting went under the name of the broker rather than me but I had the numbers and I know what I did and I went to another small independent and I won the trophy for uh, most recruiting and, and I know I did well there but I realized that coaching recruiting was a dead-end business because you're stuck with the company so at 60 years old, I had to relaunch my business in sales. And the truth is the steps I went through, I saw a presentation by Don Hobbs, uh, who uh, was the president of Success Magazine at one time. 
he was Tony Robbins' first sales manager when Tony Robbins worked for Jim Rome back in the 80s. And I saw a presentation called The Brand Is You. It's on the internet, on YouTube. And I realized that I need to create a niche so clear that people, when they thought of me, thought of that niche. I spent time reflecting on that and determined, looking at my strengths, that that would be in probate real estate. I knew attorneys. I'm comfortable learning the law. Uh, I enjoyed going to court. And so I wrote a business plan. I took the probate mastery training. Chad Corbett was my first coach, took that training and really learned the business and wrote a plan out. And my plan at that time was uh, 745 to 1030 at court doing business development every day. And I did that for a year and a half. That's how I got launched and just built a fantastic business from there. Um, okay, uh, I find that attorneys like the fact I'm a broker. Dave, I think you're right. I think attorneys like titles and certifications. Um, always concerns me that they like it and I like that they like it, <laughs> but I think you're right. If you're working with attorneys, I think it's a good thing to have. Um, Kimberly, thank you, you're new. Thank you, welcome, come back again. You can participate live on the Zoom. If you miss it, watch it on YouTube and hope to see you there. Question, what CRM do I use? Good question. So I don't want to make it, I don't want to give you the answer as though my CRM is the best. It's the one that I'm most comfortable with using and I've designed it for my business. I always tell people use the CRM, uh, you're gonna have best results the one you actually use. So before I was uh, a producing real estate agent, I used Salesforce for my recruiting, I actually, brought that to the company that I was working with about 10 years ago, they had used it. And I'm very familiar with it. And I just designed what I like uh, in that program. One thing I do a lot of is I export out of the software into other tools. So I use MailChimp for my email. I use easy text for texting. I import into Salesforce from Eventbrite, which I use to register for this event. So I do a lot of importing, exporting and linking and I'm a little technologically advanced, I know how to do that. So as a result, Salesforce really works for me. The better question is what CRM would work best for you? And the key there is design your workflow and then use the tools that support your workflow. Don't, there is no best CRM. There really isn't. There might be a best CRM for you. And that's gonna be the one that you're gonna use and that supports the activities that you're trying to do. So I always tell people, design your workflow and then automate it. Don't buy automation and try to make that work for your workflow because that's just be frustrating. Uh, and Dave uses follow-up boss. Okay, it's very good. Uh, it's not for everybody. You know, I, I think there are people who love it, are very passionate about it, and I respect that. But I know enough about CRMs to know there are plenty of people who use it and are mystified by it. And it's not that follow-up is boss is so good. David's probably you're good and you're using it. It'd be like a, a sword or a knife. You know, if you're you know how to use a sword or knife, you're gonna use it and do well with it. And somebody else stab themselves or poke their own eye out with it. So it, it really is, it's, I don't think it's the software and I think it's good. It's just that I think you're using it well. That's my bit. Um, Deborah asked any specific designations to help learn probate or I just suggest a probate code book for a state. So I definitely recommend the probate code book for your state. I have mine. If you look over my shoulder, that blue book sticking out, that's the California probate code book. And when I go to court, I bring it with me in my briefcase. Um, and I've read it. The, I read the sections related to real estate sales. No, I read the whole book, but I've read, there's about hundred pages that I've read cover to cover. Um, designation. So I, this is, I think a big misnomer. I don't believe the designation is gonna get you any business. I think the knowledge that the class is offering 
will make you more valuable and that will develop business or you'll be more effective when given an opportunity to get business. So I first would recommend Chad Corbett's Probate Mastery um, because I like his attitude where he comes from with it. For my money, most of the rest of them are about selling you their data. And along the way, you're gonna learn something about their, their probate process. Um, Paul Horn is the designated California Association of Realtor Probate, good class, worth the money, taking that. Um, MTI, Mike Torres, Inc., I think. Um, he has C-Press, um, valuable to a degree. Um, there's all kinds of different designations. And if I miss some, please let me know. But I would say that, you know, I'm always trying to learn about probate and related questions. So I buy books related to estate planning. I watch YouTube videos from different people. Uh, I got asked a question today about um, deeds, that, uh, the transfer on death deeds. And uh, I, you know, I, there's blogs I read all the time on these matters. I, I'm an affiliate member of the LA County Bar Association. So I, I read their chat list and people ask questions and answer questions there all the time. So I'm a student all the time. And I think the classes are great. I would say that the letters and the, and the logo won't get you business. The knowledge will get you everything. So I would say, as far as your budget allows you to, you should always be learning. And that's why I have this class, Thursdays, 4 p.m. Uh, free. Uh, Chad Corbett, I host his Probate Master Alumni Call on noon on Tuesdays, Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern. And that's the, the episodes are on, on probatemastery.com. So I think you have to always be learning the business and learning to be better. Okay, it's uh, five o'clock, the hour is over here. So we're gonna wrap up again. Again, free resources. If you wanna join me uh, tonight, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm leaving directly from here to go to our brew real estate event in Miracle Mile, Los Angeles. Show up, tell me you're on the call. I'll buy your free beer, great event. And it's really just networking. We're just gonna sit around and talk about real estate and relax together and meet each other. And then tomorrow, if you're in Diamond Bar, Agents Helping Agents at the Holiday Inn in Diamond Bar, again, free event, nine o'clock. And our speaker will be Luis Akeria, and we'll talk about business. Otherwise, uh, I'm on YouTube. If you like this, if you're watching it, please like and subscribe. If you're on the pod, on the Apple podcast, give us a ranking. If you have questions, put in the chat box. Uh, Mark Pedroza says, I'm sorry, Mark, you violated our community standards here. He says, go Niners. We are not allowed to do that in our chat box. That's very offensive to us Los Angelinos, Mark. So I'm going to have to throw the penalty flag on you. Okay, guys, happy new year. Have a great week. Thanks for all participating and we'll see you next week.